Okay. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. I'm I'm looking for at uh at God's gift. I mean that's Christmas time and um and like I say, I mean it, it it's not about what I can do. Our our response is something else. You know, but uh but uh it's what God has done. But a lot of times that's how why we get ourselves under so much condemnation because we feel like, you know, I'm not quite to the point where God's gonna like me or whatever. Yeah you are. Yeah, you are, because it's, it's God's mercy towards you. But let's watch it. Jesus was born here, and then this is a story about the wise men. Okay, so the wise men, they come, and they, they came from the east in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And where is he that's born king of the Jews? We saw, you know, his stone. I mean, saw his star, excuse me, not his stone. Now, uh, let's get down here to when they actually got to him. Uh, verse 10, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced. With a seeing great joy. I mean, that just means they were they were just so excited. Let me put this in the in the living Bible here just a moment. That's verse ten, and uh, because remember the Bible was not written in the King James language when Jesus was speaking, and it was just real everyday language. So look what they said. Look at that. So um, verse nine. After they interviewed the astrologers again, started out again, and look, the star appeared to them standing over Bethlehem. Have you ever seen the moon at some nights all of a sudden? Maybe you're, I see it when I'm driving home from work, coming from the west to the east, and all of a sudden that moon is coming over Huntsville, and it is wonderful. Now remember, that's a gift, you know, that's a gift. Well, these wise men came from the east because they saw some sort of awesome star. So look at this. It was standing over Bethlehem, and look at verse 10. Their joy knew no bounds. I mean, I'm sure there were three of them, so it, it didn't take but a few seconds. One of them, let's just say Dustin and myself and maybe Bob and, and Dustin would start it. He'd go, ah, that is the most awesome-looking star. A couple of seconds passed by, and we're all silent. And it's my turn. I can't get over that star. And then Bob chimes in and goes, that star is, I mean, so you see where we're going with this? This was just awesome. So their joy knew no bounds right here. Now, look at verse 11, because we're talking about God's gift. God's greatest gift being Jesus, but it, <clears throat> the whole thing is not about, you know, oh, God's going to get you for that, and God's going to ruin your life, and God's going to send you to hell. Oh, well, wait a minute. He sent Jesus for a reason. So look down here at verse 11. Entering the house where the baby and Mary, his mother, were, they threw themselves down before him, worshiping him. They opened their presents and gave him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Wow. They gave him gifts, didn't they? They sure did. It wasn't like, well, you know, I, I got that over with. I, I knelt before him. Boy, I'm going to meet him one day. You know, you're going to meet your maker with all these silly jokes. First John, we're not going to turn it, but First John chapter 4 says you should be excited about meeting your maker. I mean, really, when you meet your maker one time, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to be just like him. Yep, because through the blood of Jesus has, has made you worthy to be with him. Uh, let's go next to a uh, very familiar verse here. But let's just see uh, about this gift here. John chapter 3. And obviously, I want to go to... Uh, Verse 16. Uh, here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What did he do? He gave. That's a gift, isn't it? He didn't say, well, I sent Jesus down there to chew you out. You know, it's interesting that you say that because look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't even, as some people like to claim today, among our great religions, you know, whatever. 
Well, they may be great religions, but I tell you what, there's only one way to heaven, and God knew that. And it's Jesus. It really is. It really is. He didn't send the Son into the world to condemn it. But that the world through him might be saved. Look at verse 18. He that puts on a good show, no, it doesn't say that. He that is as good as Jesus, no, it doesn't say that. He says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Wow. So God gave his Son. There was something about this giving that he did that made a difference. Uh, let's go next to... The book of Romans here, and in Romans chapter 8, we'll look down here at another verse. Uh, I know I scroll fast, but I know where I'm going. Just hold on. Okay. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 32. Of course, 31, if, what can we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I mean, we have it backwards. What is it that I can do for God? I never think about what God's in the business of doing for us to help us with. I mean, we've got to get it right. We love him because he first loved us. First John chapter 4 says in the last verse. Anyway, back to this. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, look at this, freely, here it is again, give us all things. Wow. God he didn't hold back his only begotten son, so why would he hold back anything else? But sometimes we just think, you know, that I'm just on the edge of my, uh, I'm just at my wit's end, and, uh, it, and God's not going to help me. But that's not true. He's absolutely going to help you. Let's compare just a moment. Uh, go back to uh, uh, John chapter 10 here, and look at this real quick. John chapter 10, Jesus talks about this, uh, look at verse 7, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me were thieves and robbers. The sheep did not hear them. Look at verse 10. The thief comes not, but for to kill and to steal and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Wow. Talk about this great gift again. Wow. The thief comes not but for to steal. See, sometimes we think, well, you know, you bought something and it broke. That's just the way it goes. No. No, that's not the way it goes. When you read your Bible, I'm telling you, it's just like uh, the old nursery rhyme, or whatnot, not nursery rhyme, the little story we used to the king, everything the king touched turned to gold. When you read your Bible, that's what's supposed to be happening to you. Things are different with you. That's the witness that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. Are you saying troubles are not going to come to me? Troubles are going to come. Jesus said, in the world you'll have persecution. He said, in the world you'll have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome it. The Living Bible actually says, I've deprived it of its power to harm you. Watch what happens as you begin to go through your trouble. God will get you out all the time. And it makes the biggest difference. Go back to this verse. Jesus compares himself to the thief said, he comes not but for to kill and to steal and destroy. I am come, in other words, this is contrast, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. One does one thing, I do another. That's the reason that I do not accept things that get stole, or do I put up with thinking, well, I mean, one day I just, I just might get killed, you know. 
Think about it. God carved out on the Ten Commandments and gave it to Moses. Two tablets. Those two tablets of stone. You can read this in First and Second Chronicles. It's in there several times. And it's also in First and Second Kings. I read it just the other day too. But the Ark of the Covenant, on the inside, uh, at the time Solomon, Oh, built the temple. They transferred the ark. The only thing they had, they didn't have Aaron's rod that budded anymore. That got, I guess the Philistines got it, something happened, whatever. And there was no longer any manna. They didn't have that anymore. But they still had those two stone tablets, okay? Now, in those two stone tablets were the Ten Commandments. One of those commandments was honoring your father and mother. And it's the first commandment with what? Promise that it may be well with you and you'll live long on the earth. Praise the Lord. God wants you to live long. You may say, well, that's my problem. I ran away from home or I never treated my parents right or whatever. Don't worry. Jesus was still your sacrifice for that. He obeyed his heavenly father. He took care of it. But the point is, is that the first commandment of promise was that it may be well with you. That meant everything you were doing, it would be well with you. And you would live long. There's so many scriptures about living long. Let me just show you real quick. Over here in uh, the book of Psalms, uh, we talk about, I mean, uh, listen, if you're worried today about a doctor's diagnosis, or sometimes you can just get fearful of driving, it's like, man, I just, I just, it just scares me, I just might have a wreck or whatever, and uh, something bad may happen. Watch this. this. You talk about the, it's a gift, and it's proof that Jesus is going to take you to heaven. Because he calms our fears. There's so many songs. Jesus the name that calms my fears. Yeah. Okay. Psalm 91. Look down here. In Psalm 91. Uh, down here. Look at this. Here it is right here. Uh, look at verse 16. Let me close this. Second. Very last verse. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, you've got to ask yourself the question, I guess, who does that belong to? Well, okay. Why is it in your Bible? I mean, what do I care if it belonged to King David? That didn't help me any more. Great. God, why would you want me to read it? Is there any way I can have this? Ah, yes. It is an absolute gift. Just like Jesus, he gave his life for you. And I look at this. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let's put this into the Living Bible just a moment. He says, we live within the shadow of the Almighty. I know King James says, he that. Well, the he that you are supposed to pick up on is you. It's like the 23rd Psalm. You can never read the 23rd Psalm without reading that and saying it for you. The Lord is what? Their shepherd? The Lord was David's shepherd. He didn't say that. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. These people, you can read it for yourself in First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, First Kings, Second Kings. Those details of the temple when they were worshiping God, they had choirs constantly. The priests would get out their trumpets, just like Dustin. The priests did. They didn't hire it out. The priests had a trumpet corps. And they would sing these songs and play these instruments. People around Jerusalem could hear, even for miles around, you could hear these choirs. You know, you could hear them. We live within the shadow of the Almighty, sheltered by the God who is above all gods. Think about this gift. 
Where do my troubles go? It's like that one song we were singing. Anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise. I don't care. I mean, like the disciples said, uh, Jesus, you don't want to go back up there to raise Lazarus from the dead because, don't you remember, they tried to stone you. Thomas goes, well, let's go with him that we may die with him. Thomas thought they were going to get killed if we go up there. And Jesus was telling them, look, there's, there's 10 hours in the day, whatever, 12 hours in the day. We can walk while it's daylight. He's not going to go raise him from the dead. <laughs> anyway, this I declare that he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I am trusting him. You know this psalm so well, but look at this. He shall rescue you from every trap and protect you from the fatal plague. Boy, wouldn't that work? Too bad they didn't cover cancer. What? That is cancer, praise the Lord. God, you talk about a gift. Don't worry about your diagnosis. When it's over with, God just, yeah, I, I, there's the diagnosis. I got such and such. No, now is your time to shine. Believe God. Let me, let me just, well, look at this. Verse 4. He will shield you with his wings. They shall shelter you. Look at this. His faithful, now let's see if we can get a hold of something that I can touch. I can't see Jesus. I wish I could get him. How can I get him? Look at that verse. His faithful promises are your armor. I can get that. I've got that. That's my Bible. Yeah. We got it on a projector right here. Verse 5. You don't need to be afraid of the dark anymore. Nor fear the dangers of the day. You know, David wrote a psalm and he said, even the darkness is light to you. And I'll never forget that. One time I was walking to my tree stand. I don't like being in the dark no more than anybody else. I got my gun and everything, but you can't shoot at something you can't see, you know. And I was a little creepy with these trees, and you look up at the night sky, and my flashlight hit, and I was too far to go back to the car. I might as well just go to where I think I'm supposed to go, you know. And the first thing I thought of was, even the darkness shall be as light to me. And I just acted like I was an animal or a deer. I thought, well, I know where I'm going. I'm just, I kept right on walking. And those, those, Fears that make me chill or what? I just, I just kept folks. I kept saying, well, even the darkness is as light to you. And I put my trees to stand together in the dark. I couldn't see no more. And I was hanging on to those bolts. I didn't want to drop them, you know. And I didn't have no cell phones. This was back in days. There's no light except that flashlight. And I got all the way up my tree and I was perfectly fine. You do what you want to, but I tell you what, the Lord is your armor, those faithful promises. Now, um, he said, oh, uh, Oh, he, there's so much good stuff right here, but I want to go back to um, a verse over here in, uh, in the New Testament. You know what's so funny? Psalm 91 was written, uh, more than likely, they say Moses wrote that. So you can guess about how many years ago that was. You can follow the genealogy of Jesus and follow all the way back to Adam, and you can date all these things. And uh, <clears throat> so that would put you <clears throat> quite a ways back nearly uh, 1,800 years before Jesus. That psalm has been around. Uh, I want to show you something here in the book of Acts. Acts chapter, I believe it's chapter 5. Let's see. Yeah, here it is. Okay. Acts chapter 5. Oh, let me skip on down here to... Uh, uh, here we go. All right. One second here. Oh... That's the end of it. Excuse me. This one. Let me back up just a second. Oh. Yeah, there it is right there. Okay. Verse 14. And more and more believers were added to the Lord. 
crowds, both of men and women. Look at this verse 15. Now, now this is the book of Acts. Jesus in chapter 1, whoo, gone. He's not even here anymore. Verse 15, six people were brought into the streets on beds and mats, so at least Peter's shadow would fall across some of them as, as he went by. Verse 16, and crowds came from Jerusalem and suburbs, bringing their sick folk and those possessed by demons. Look at this. And every one of them was healed. Everyone. Now, you can isolate yourself and say, well, I guess it's not going to happen for me. Yes, it is. It's going to happen to you. Belongs to you. These things belong to you. Uh, if I go a little further here, let me just do this real quick. Uh, in, uh, in the book of Acts, hang on. In the book of Acts, look, up, look at verse 6. Um, chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Um, the disciples, they had a little bit of difficulty. They were Some of the widows weren't being treated like uh, some of the others should be because of their uh, heritage, their background. Some were, you know, like you said, they were, they were more Jewish than the others. But anyway, uh, the, the apostles got together and said, hey, look, we got to assign some people to deal with this. Now I want you to see what happened here. They pulled together uh, seven people, Stephen and Philip and Prochorus and the Caner. This is verse 5. And anyway, there were seven of them. But anyway, one of them by the name of uh, Stephen. Look at this. Stephen, the man so full of faith and the Holy Spirit's power, did spectacular miracles among the people. Now, wait a minute. You can't do that because it's only the 12 disciples. That's the foolishness of thinking that way. No, this guy was just a deacon. He was not one of the 12 because in the previous scripture they said, well, the 12, we need to be thinking about preaching the gospel to the world. We've got to assign some people to handle all this coffee and donuts and stuff. And look who they assigned to the coffee and donuts. A man full of faith in the Holy Spirit's power and did spectacular miracles among the people. I tell you something else that's amazing too. You remember that our beloved brother Paul, you know, and he was not the beloved brother Paul earlier in the, uh, the book of Acts. He was actually killing Christians. And guess what Paul did first? He held all the coats for the men that killed the man I was just talking about, Stephen. When Stephen stood there and got stoned, the guy who was going around and healing people, Paul took his coat and said, yeah, I'll hold your coat while you throw rocks at this guy and kill him. <clears throat> Okay, uh, but in Acts chapter 28, something's happened to this man. Acts chapter 28, uh, I might as well just read it, watch it. As soon as we learned we were on the island of Malta, this was a shipwreck. 280, 276 people were on this boat, and they were all saved. And Paul said why they were saved. I mean, saved physically. They didn't drown. Some of them didn't even know how to swim. But miraculously, there were boards and things, and they all got on these boards, and they just kind of just rode the waves till they got to the beach. And they were standing there, and guess what? When they got to the beach, Phil, they had heard Paul say when the weather was nasty just hours before, and they couldn't even see the land, Paul said, it'll be all right. So we're going to land on some island just a little bit. Might as well eat. And everybody got excited, and they started it. Then all of a sudden, they see land. So now they make it to land. As soon as we learned that the island uh, it was the island of Malthus, the people of the island were very kind to us. Do you see that everything you touch turns to gold? We just, just get excited when all of a sudden it looks like this is not going to be a good day. 
That's the reason we sang that song. And the reason whoever wrote that put in there that Jesus taught us to live rejoicing. Acts chapter 5. We were just there. I want to bring this out. Oh, the disciples got in trouble. This was the second time they got in trouble. This was not for healing somebody. It was just they were teaching about Jesus' and resurrection. So they hauled them off to prison for a little bit. But guess what? The scripture says while they were in prison, I'm sure they were going, well, man, we were doing the right thing. All of a sudden, one of them turned around and there was, I don't know who it was, Michael, the archangel, or Gabriel, whoever it was. One of them said, come on, y'all get out of here. Go back to the temple. An angel let them out. And the, and the angel said, to go teach all the words of this life or this gift, we could say. And so the disciples thought, and so they take off to the temple and they start teaching. Meanwhile, they're having court over here. All right, bailiff, bring in those who are in trouble here. Bring them in. And the bailiff goes, we can't find them. They're out of jail. They're gone. And all of a sudden he says, nope, they're in the court. I mean, excuse me, they're in the, they're in the temple. They're teaching. And so they went and grabbed them again. They brought them in. And, and can you imagine the excitement that's on the disciples' faces? They're like, you can't stop us. You can't stop us. But anyway, so they land on this island, and everybody's kind to them. They're building a bonfire, the beach to welcome them. And one of them is the rain and cold. Look at this, verse 3. Uh-oh, a little trouble. Or is it trouble? Paul gathered a handful of sticks to lay on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, fastened itself onto his hand. Now, I tell you, your little mind, if you let it, you'll go, well, I guess, it was probably one of those snakes that just didn't have any venom. Quit telling yourself that. These are miracles. Quit telling yourself that you're just getting lucky all the time. These are blessings. There's angels and cats about you. They're helping you all day long. This snake was to kill him in a matter of moments. Watch this. The people of the island saw it hanging there, and they said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Remember, this ship that wrecked was what? Just a bunch of criminals. They were all criminals except for the crew and the centurion from uh, the Roman army. But Paul shook the fire, shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. And let me tell you something. You're just like a child. And as a mother, my mother here, she would care for me and make sure I wouldn't get myself hurt and probably tell me time or two, don't be doing that. Well, that's to help me. God is still the same. He doesn't want you harmed. He's better than any mother or any dad could ever be. And you know how you are. If you've had children, you just want to call all the time. You know? Make sure you do this. Make sure, make sure, make sure. Why? Because you don't want harm coming. You don't. He shook that snake off into the fire and was unharmed. I think that was great. He knew that thing was hurting him. And he said, well, you're going into fire. Shook him off into the fire. The people waited for him to begin swelling or suddenly fall dead. But when they had waited, <laughs> waited a long time, I'm sure Paul was over there going, what are you waiting on? What are y'all staring at? And I got news for you. I'm sure Paul told him, said, well, hey, y'all watch me see if I die. If I die, then you can forget this Jesus stuff. But let me tell you something, Jesus is going to cause me to live because he just told me I'm going all the way to Rome. And he told me we weren't going to die out there in that ocean. And he never said anything about some silly snake. I'm not dying. <clears throat> And who's to say that snake or there were not more snakes that could have got a hold of somebody else? And as long as Paul or somebody there, well, Paul was the only one preaching the gospel. It would work for them as well. Would have helped them. Because watch this. 
But no harm came to him, and they changed their minds and decided he was a god. <laughs> oh, brother. Anyway, near the shore where we landed, there was an estate belonging to Publius, the governor of the island. He welcomed us courteously and fed us for three days. My goodness, now you're sitting in the, the governor's mansion. You should always think things are going to work out for you. I, it seems like I remember a psalm. Let's see, what is it? It's, it's psalm, uh, that's a hard one to remember, but it says something to do with goodness and mercy follow me all of his life. Where would that be? The 23rd Psalm. Come on. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the what? The days of my life. Wow. Verse 8. As this happened, uh-oh, the governor's dad was ill with fever. Let's get down. Hang on. Uh, yeah. Ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in. And let's tell uh, And he hoped it would work. And we got this person. We're really pushing God here. No, that's not what your Bible says. He went in and he prayed for him, laying his hands on him and healed him. You know, the Bible's not embarrassed about God healing. He's not. The Bible's not expecting you to not be healed. The Bible is expecting you to get better. Look at verse 9. Then all the other sick people. Now, this is totally out of control. I don't want to put this on our church sign out there. I don't want anybody to get your hopes up this morning. Let me tell you, we are fixing to celebrate Christmas, and this is where all our hopes are. Jesus has made a way. You do not need to be distracted this Christmas about something that's come up on your skin, something that's hurting your teeth, your vision changing, your back hurting real bad. I know all these things can happen. You do not need to. You need to think about one thing. Jesus was that one gift. And because Jesus was that one gift, we know the book of Romans says, how shall he not with him freely give you all things? See, these are the things that distract us. Verse 10, as a result, we were showered with gifts. Well, of course, praise the Lord. All right, people get excited. Get something? Showered with what? Gifts. What started all this? God's first gift, and it'll never change. God will never change. He's always going to outdo you. Wow. Let me go over one last gift here. I mean, really, literally, just one last verse. Uh, let's go over here to the book of Ephesians. Uh, here it is. Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 2. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Oh, it's chapter 3, excuse me. I think it's not wrong. Let's see. Chapter uh, 3. Here it is. Now we got it. Ah, only Psalms in there. Hold on. Uh, I'm almost there. I'll let somebody else see it. Sometimes I say, hey, go to Ephesians chapter 3. It'll just flip over. Okay. Uh, here we go. Let me get that out of the way. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, switch back to the again just a moment. Okay. Chapter 4, excuse me. Okay, chapter 4. Here it is. Look at this. 
Uh, well, we'll look at verse 7. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. For unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. The word grace itself actually comes from the word gift. I'm saved by grace. Amazing grace. We say that. It, it's gift. Now look at verse 8. Wherefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, look at this, and gave gifts unto men. I mean, he did. He did. And he's given you and I these same gifts. They're unendless. I mean, they're just unending. They're unending. I mean, all the way from financial to social to your personal life, to, I mean, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference. Let me, let me show, I know I said one more, but I, I've got to show you this. Watch this. Got to tell you this one. Oh. Colossians chapter 2. I know exactly what this is, but here we go. Watch this. Oh. Okay, here it is. Hmm. Let me change it to the Living Bible just a second. It's verse 6. Look at verse 6. Let's close right here. Watch this. Now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, that's the only way you're going to make it, trust in Christ to save you. Look at this. Trust Him too for each day's problem. Live in vital union with Him. Just trust it. You're going to make it. You are so going to make it. Everything that you're dealing with right now, you're going to get right to it. You're more than a conqueror. There's no enemy out there that can conquer you. The Bible says it's a shield of faith quenches every fiery dust. Father, we thank you, Lord, that by your stripes we're healed. We thank you that you supply every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We thank you that if there's any trouble out there or any giant out there like David had to kill Goliath, we're not worried, hallelujah. We just give you praise. I'll call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. So, Lord, what does that leave us with? Oh, you told us to go tell others about you. Lord, this is going to be so easy. We're going to tell them the great things you've done for us. Because they're endless. They keep going and going and going. We thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, amen.